All right. Get your Bibles out. Open it up to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. I'm going to be reading in just a moment from verse 14 through verse 20. John 17, verse 14 through 20. This is a great Sunday to pull together several things that are happening as we've celebrated here at Legacy. We've received new members. We've rejoiced with the young people and in their encounter weekend and uh, tie it all together with some things that have been stirring in my spirit. Uh, I don't know how many of you had opportunity to read the Legacy blog. I kept everybody updated on our vacation outing. And so if you read some of the blog, uh, you heard some of our escapades when we were away on vacation. But this is the first opportunity I've had to share with you. Um, That Sunday we came back, Pastor Noah shared. That was last Sunday. And uh, did a great job. And so this is the first Sunday really back in the saddle to be able to share with you after our short vacation trip. And so I've got all of this revelation that has happened inside of me after being at Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. Yes, God can talk. And I just want to share with you some things that I hope it makes you laugh, makes you think. And hopefully through it all we can hear the voice of the Lord. I want to talk this morning, I've entitled the message, Getting Off the Ride. Getting Off the Ride. John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 14. Jesus is praying. Uh, Many people believe that this was actually the prayer he may have prayed at Gethsemane. We don't know for sure where and when this was prayed, but it is his prayer. And in verse 14, in the middle of it, he says this. He says, I have given them, meaning his disciples, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as he says, I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They, meaning the disciples, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Then in verse 20, and this really... I think should be good news, because if you ever doubt as to whether or not Jesus has ever prayed for you, you just have to go to John 17, verse 20, and you'll begin to see that Jesus prayed for you and me when he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So there you have it. Jesus was praying for us as well, and I want to talk about getting off the ride. We went down the road a couple weeks ago to Orlando because we were able to pull together a a few deals and a few outstanding things that we had hanging out there and were able to do vacation, what I call on a shoestring. And we were able to get all the special packages and special breaks and all the things that they give to you when you go on vacation. And we decided that we were going to uh, stay in a, in a condo area that was just a couple miles away from Universal Studios. And, and we'd done the Disney thing for so many years, especially when the kids were younger. 
that uh, we decided that this time we were just going to do the universal thing. And so we went down there and we went through these theme parks. If you don't know these theme parks, I can't imagine anyone not knowing about them. But there's actually two parks there associated together, the actual Universal Studio, and then next to it is what they call Islands of Adventure. And Islands of Adventure is a theme park which basically has your thrill rides. You get on these rides, and it's for pure tea thrill. And the first thing you go to as you go into Islands of Adventure, you make a left turn, and there you have the Hulk. Anybody ever rode the Hulk here this morning? I mean, the Hulk is one of my most favorite rides. I, I remember the first time I ever rode it. I was totally an unexpecting passenger. You kind of tick, tick, tick your way up the roller coaster. And most roller coasters, you know, tick, tick your way up the top until you reach the top. And then you sort of, they sort of hang you there as you fall over and you start your ride. Oh, not the Hulk. No, you're tick-ticking your way up about halfway up the hill, and then all of a sudden it slingshots you. I mean, you are catapulted going up the hill at about 60 miles an hour. You are shoved into your seat just holding on for dear life, fear oozing out of every pore of your body until you hit the top of the hill, and it just doesn't take you over. It corkscrews you. Man, what a buzz. I love it. I understand. I'm, I may be 48 years old, but I still love a good thrill ride. Then, of course, we did Dueling Dragons. And Dueling Dragons is when your feet dangle on this machine that takes you through all sorts of upside-down 360 corkscrews. And, and uh, I was wearing flip-flops one day, and you can't wear your flip-flops on Dueling Dragon because you'd lose them. So you have to sit on your flip-flops. So I had to ride dueling dragons barefooted. But I'll suggest this to you. You get a whole new ride when you ride it barefooted. It's, it's as if you're just, you feel like you're dangling even more out there. And uh, it's just an experience. And, and then, uh, Tracy, we went back one evening, a beautiful evening, and rode the Jurassic Park ride, which it kind of fools you as well. It's this boat ride that takes you through Jurassic Park, and these dinosaurs are jumping out at you and, 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 and scaring you or startling you until finally at the end it looks like this great big Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to come down and munch you. And suddenly it drops you down this long waterfall and, and you get wet, you know, and all those kind of things that take place on that particular ride. So all of these, though, all of these rides, and I'm just soliciting your imagination for a minute, but all of these rides, the thing I think that, that just struck me as I was going through all of this because I've been to theme parks, been to Six Flags, been to Carowinds, been to some other theme parks. But these theme parks were built not just for the ride itself, but it was built for the experience. It's a really important phrase, the experience. As you're walking through the ride, they're setting you up with everything that's around you. As you're waiting to get on it, they've set up the whole the whole ride as an experience to begin to draw you into this, this, this adventure or this ride that you're about ready to get on. The best one of all was Spider-Man. I don't know if you've ever rode Spider-Man, but when you go through Spider-Man, you actually go in 
to a, a newspaper building. And as you're walking through the building, you're, you're looking at desks and typewriters and computers. And, and, and they painted it in, in such a way and, and they've constructed it that, that it's an experience. You're actually walking through a, a newspaper office and you finally get to the car and you put on the 3D glasses. You know, they give you those 3D glasses and you set in this, this car with about eight of you and they take you from room to room. And as you go from room to room, they literally have projectors in all of these rooms, just incredible technology. And these cartoon characters from Spider-Man come out and they begin to interact with you. And because you have these 3D glasses on, it looks as if they're jumping out of the screen and jumping on top of your car. In fact, when they jump out and jump on your car, your car literally shakes. So it feels like that's what they've done. And then they take you into another room and, and, and somebody will have blown up a building and they, they, they shoot heat at you, some warm air so it feels and it, and it seems. And it's 3D so, it, so it's like it's really happening. They literally, listen to me, you are literally uh, put into the comic book. It's as if you are in the comic book and you're experiencing all these things until finally at the end the coolest thing that happens is that they take you into this room after this big chase scene and you feel like you're falling down this side of this great big skyscraper. But you got your 3D glasses on. Now understand, your car hasn't moved hardly a bit. They have caused you to have all of these feelings or all of these experiences simply through technology and your 3D glasses until finally they catch you at the bottom of this thing and of course everybody's screaming and it it's just an absolute exhilaration. But the key to all of this is, is that they, they try somehow to take you out of reality and, and then you enter into their reality. They want to take you out of this ordinary, everyday existence and they want to somehow pull you into a, a comic book or into an adventure or into some other reality that their technology has created for you. And of course, when you get off the ride, you walk out of the ride and you're just kind of woozy and you're dizzy. And uh, we were actually on one ride waiting and uh, the kid just got off of the Dr. Doom ride. If, if there's a ride that's called Dr. Doom, that should tell you something right there. And of course, whatever he had inside of him before the Dr. Doom ride came out of him after the Dr. Doom ride. So, so his woozy and his dizzy went to a whole new level. But you get off these rides and it takes just a moment to acclimate to normal or your normal feeling. And, and every ride, whether it's at Universal or you can go to Disney, Disney does the exact same thing. It, it tries to work on the general premise of we want to bring you out of whatever you're experiencing in life and bring you into our experience. Now I want to ask a question. It may seem silly at first, but just bear with me. The question is this. What if you were born and then lived on that ride all the time? Think about that for just a minute. What if you were born and then lived on that ride all the time? Now you may say, I don't know that I'd like that. I don't know that that would be really all that fun after a while. You know, there are people that do television specials and all they do is they go to theme parks all over 
America, and they just ride the rides all the time in order to report back to us. So they spend a lot of time on the rides. But just for a moment, just play with me for just a moment. What, what would it be like if you were born and lived on that ride? Can I suggest to you that eventually if you were on that theme ride all the time and that was your experience 24-7 and you eventually became familiar with everything that was happening on that theme ride, that that theme ride, because you were on it 24-7, would eventually become what you considered normal. Because you were born on it. You've never been off it. You ride it 24-7. That's your whole experience is that theme ride. That's your life. So as weird as it is at this moment to conceive that you would live 24-7 since the day you were born on that ride full-time, you would have to concede that it would be your normal. After a while, you wouldn't question what you saw or what you felt on it because you'd be conditioned to accept it as normal. Hey, normal for you is when you're climbing up the hill, tick, 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 and about halfway up, you're going to go, that's normal. That's how the ride works. Now, I want you to really get this. If you don't get this, you're going to be lost the rest of the morning. So you're living on this theme ride, and this crazy existence of living on this ride would actually become what you define as normal. Keeping that analogy right there in your mind, you can begin to understand some other things. If all you knew, let's say, were the, what the children of Managua, Nicaragua, no. You know, there are children in Managua, Nicaragua that are born in the dump. They're born in the dump, the city dump. They're born in the dump, they live in the dump, they eat off the dump. Their whole life is in the dump. They're never getting out of the dump. And so you can envision rather quickly that their normal is the dump. They can't conceive that there would be anything else besides the dump because the dump is what they were born in. It's 24-7. They're not getting out. That's their experience. So everything in that dump is normal despite the fact if an American walks there, it looks so abnormal. We could go to any country of the world, a lot of communities of the world. We could go into neighborhoods where people never leave. You know, there are people in New York City right now that have never left about a 10-square-block part of their city and that's their normal that's all they know that's their experience they were born there they've lived there 24 7 there so their life in that 10 block square area is their normal despite the fact that if you send somebody from south carolina into that area it would look so abnormal and crazy So whatever your environment is, if you live in it long enough, it becomes your normal. So the ride, we're back to the ride now, the ride that you've been born on is is normal to you. Now, here we go. All of us were born on a ride called the world. Are you with me? All of us were. You and I, we're all born into this world. We were born into it. We were educated by it. We live in it. We are trained relentlessly on this ride called the world. And every day as we are on this ride, it is reinforced into our minds and into our psyches. The TV shows we watch reinforce the ride. The books we read, the movies we see, 
it doesn't matter what arena of life it may be in. It can be in educational arenas, sports arenas, fashion arenas, musical arenas, entertainment arenas, our magazines, you name it. Everything that's around us reinforces or gives us the experience of being on this ride we call the world. Are you with me? It's a crazy dysfunctional ride. It's kind of a free-for-all. It's got turns and twists that we don't even know. It corkscrews us more times than we can count. But we've been on it for so long, it has become our normal. It's normal for people to live dysfunctionally. It's normal for people to lie, to cheat, to steal. It's pretty normal. I mean, we may not steal big things, maybe little things. It's normal to live with our divorce rates. It's normal to sleep around. It's normal to practice abominations. It's normal, it's normal for celebrities to go to rehab. It's normal to have depression and be on all of our pills. It's normal to take drugs, legal and illegal. Everything's normal. It's just normal. That's the ride. It is normal to see and hear everything we see and hear in the world these days. In fact, you will even hear the phrase, everybody's doing it. And that phrase interpreted means this. It's normal. Everybody does that. Come on. You'd be abnormal if that wasn't a part of your life. But the only reason it's normal to us is because it's the ride we were born on. It's the ride that you're living on. Somebody gave you some lenses when you were born, just like those 3D glasses on Spider-Man, and they put them on your head to make you believe that what you're experiencing all around you is somehow normal. Jesus, I believe, as I've read this to you in John 17, is asking us, don't you think it's time to get off the ride are you with me in our passage jesus is praying not only for his disciples that were with him then but he's praying for his disciples today he's saying he's saying folks we've got to get off this ride called the world now i grew up in a religious system you've heard me tell the stories i'm not going to bore you with all the stories of the holiness movement I mean, we define the world in some crazy, outlandish ways. And, and I mean, it was just, a lot of it was legalism and silliness. Some of it was, some of it was outlandish, but some of it, you know, can I just share this with you? Some, some of what I grew up with in the holiness movement wasn't all that bad. Some of it made a lot of sense, now that I've gotten a little older. But nonetheless, uh, the world, we, we had a way that we defined the world. Well, the world, literally, in the Greek language, cosmos, I told you this a couple weeks ago, has nothing to do, the world has nothing to do with geography, it has nothing to do with astronomy, it has nothing to do with all of the materials that make up this, this planet we call Earth. But literally, the scripture, when it uses the term the world, it means the way things work in the natural realm. It's the systems of this current age. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. So the Lord literally owns the planet. But the Bible also tells us that Satan 
is the God, little g, of this world. How do you reconcile those two things? I can pretty much tell you. God has the title to the place, but unfortunately his adversary runs most of it. Are you hearing me? God owns it, but the adversary is running it. Basically, Jesus is saying, listen to me, get this. He says, you're going to walk in the theme park, but you don't have to be of the theme park. You may walk in the world, but you don't have to get on the ride. In fact, you can get off the ride. You can literally get off the ride and you can begin to experience what's really true. Now, in John 18, it's interesting because Jesus has a conversation with Pilate. And uh, we usually don't preach these passages until we get to Easter time, but just bear with me because he says something here that's very important. He's in front of Pilate. It's just about time for him to be crucified. But he has this conversation with Pilate. And so Pilate, in verse 33, enters the praetorium again, calls Jesus and says to him, Are you, listen, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What? Have you done? And Jesus answered, listen carefully. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. I'm going to stop there and call a timeout. When Jesus said this, most people instantly go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's Lord of heaven. And and so what we do is we separate. We separate the spiritual and the natural. Because we think what Jesus said was, yeah, I'm king of heaven, but I really don't have any earthly uh, uh, interaction. I don't have any earthly rulership there, but that's not what that literally means of the world. What it means is Jesus says, my kingdom is not cut out of the same mold. My kingdom is not, doesn't work the same way. It's not of the world. In other words, I understand all of us are, are in Charleston, but that doesn't mean I have to act like Charleston acts. I don't function like my city functions. I, I, I live in this world, but that doesn't mean that I'm cut of the same mold or cut from the same cloth. He said, and and this is why we know that to be true, because he said, if my kingdom were of this world, what do you do? Well, everybody picks up a sword and you fight with each other. The issue wasn't whether or not Jesus was a ruler or that he had a kingdom. The issue was how the kingdom works. Earthly kingdoms, you find your army, you pick up your swords, you go to war, and that's how you settle it in the natural. But that's not how the Lord's kingdom is set up. He says, I'm a king. I have a kingdom, I exercise rule, I'm in this world, but I'm not cut out of the same mold because we don't do things exactly like everyone else does things in this place. Pilate, therefore, in verse 37, said to him, Are you a king? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice jesus is simply saying here this to Pilate. he's saying Pilate, i understand how the world works i was born in it i see it i get it but i'm getting off the ride and i will bear witness to the truth that will demonstrate to everyone who will listen to my voice i will demonstrate to them a new normal. Are you following me? 
Jesus came in order to demonstrate to you and me a new normal. We have been so conditioned by our environment in order to define what normal is. Jesus says, I've got to break through this thing. I've got to bear witness to it. And if you'll listen to me, says the Lord, I will declare and I will demonstrate to you a new normal. Let me just give you a picture of some of the new normal. New normal are things like you don't have to go to rehab when you can get delivered. That's normal. Normal is you don't have to succumb to your discouragements and your depressions and your addictions and your bondages. You can overcome those things. That's a new normal. You don't have to go chasing everything here, there, and everywhere to get happy. I can give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's a new normal. Hey, you need a little peace in your life? Some hope, a future? I can give you a new normal. Jesus looks and he looks at the poor and he says, I can, I can prosper you. I can pull you out of your poverty. Why do you think this is good news to the poor? Because I can pull you out of what everybody has said to you. You don't have to live first, second, third generation in Section 8 housing. I got good news. He can pull you out. There's a new normal. Are you with me? There's a new normal. But you see, we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned. We've looked for love in all the wrong places until finally we say, well, you just can't be with one person your whole life or you're never really going to find true love. And Jesus says, that's the world's normal. I'm going to give you a new normal. A new normal. I, I've come to bear witness to the truth. You know what the real definition of truth is? I don't, don't go to that screen, guys. I'm going to come back to this. I'm just kind of getting ahead of myself. The real definition of truth is this, what's really real. That's what's really real. We could go on and on and on. I'm tired of being the world's doormat. People come and they just run over me and that's just the way the world works. No, I got a new normal for you. It, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus demonstrates a whole new normal. We live in a world that says, don't get mad, get even. And Jesus says, no, there's a new normal. It's called 70 times 7. Turn the other cheek. Give them your cloak also. New normal. We've got to begin to embrace a new normal. Now the question is, how do we get off this ride? Because truth of the matter is, everything in our life is designed around this ride. So how do we get off this ride called the world? Well, there are certain things that you're going to need to embrace to get off the ride. I'm going to go through this quickly. You may want to write them down. Number one, you must want to get off. God isn't going to make you get off the ride. There has to come a time in your life when you ask yourself, what is truth? What's truth? What, what really is truth? You've got to stop and say, what is truth? Pilate even asked that question. What is truth? I mean, are we going to keep listening to daytime semi-counselors? And I'm not saying they may be good people. I'm really not, I'm not just banging on Oprah and Montel and Dr. Phil. I mean, I don't know. They may have some things they stumble on here and there. But truth of the matter is, is that what, is that what we're going to hear? Or are we going to listen to the guy who demonstrated to us what truth is? What is truth? Are you willing to embrace truth? Are you willing to, 
say there must be a new normal because the way I'm living right now, it, it can't be normal. And the good news is it's not. And the Lord's calling you off the ride. The truth, the truth. Go ahead and flash it up there, guys. I don't know if it's up there or not. Oh, forget it. It wasn't even up there. Go back. I'm, 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 I'm causing the, the tech guys to be stretched. Thank you for bearing with me. Do you want to live, listen, do you want to live in illusions or do you want to live in reality? Do you want to live in an illusion of happiness or find real joy? Do you want to live in the illusion of fun or find real freedom? Are you ready to trade the illusion for a reality that comes in Jesus Christ? Now listen to me, I understand the first few times on the ride is really fun. It's exhilarating. Can I just share with you, I had a blast going to Islands of Adventure. It was fun. It was exhilarating. But you know what? After a while, when you ride that ride too much, something changes inside of you. But you know what the Bible says? It's interesting. The Bible says this. There is pleasure in sin for a season. Sure, there's pleasure in the world. It's very pleasurable to do the ride to do the world there's always fun and pleasure that's associated with it and it's interesting how it seems to exist for just enough time to get you hooked and for you to think it's normal and then you don't realize that you're getting sick because everything's spinning out of control you're upside down inside out you're bound in your seat you're being yanked and jerked and plastered and all these things are going on and you've just sort of said it must be normal and jesus says stop the ride it's time to get off it's time to get off you ready to get off are you really ready to get off well you have to want it no one's going to come and yank you out of your seat you got to want to get off the ride number two you will be uncommon if you get off. It's interesting that far more people choose the ride than those who choose to get off. Have you ever been to a ride at one of these theme parks and you notice as you're going through the line, you get there close to where they're going to put you into the staging area and get onto the ride, and then all of a sudden there's a chicken exit? Now that's what I call it. I don't know if they call it a chicken exit, but it's, it's your last chance before getting on the ride. Now, all through the years of going to theme parks, I have seen a time or two somebody use the chicken exit. But it's a rare thing, rarely used. Most people just follow the leader. They just follow their friends. They just follow the group. They just follow who they came with. They just follow all the voices that input their life. They just follow them. Right on to the ride. Very few people choose to get off the ride. Jesus said, Jesus said that when all of this in the world but not of the world takes place, he said that it would take being sanctified. Everyone say sanctified. Sanctified by the truth. Now the word sanctified is like one of those biblical words that everybody kind of gets twisted in. But can I, I'll just define it really super easy for you, what sanctify means. I've heard people go, sanctify, all it means is holy. Well, most people don't know what holy means. They think, they think holy, you know, is how you look or how you act. Or whatever. I mean, they, don't, they really don't know what this means. This is the best way and, and most relevant way I can define sanctify. It means this, uncommon. Not common. He's saying this, if you choose to get off, you're going to have to be uncommon because you have embraced 
what's really real. You see, Christianity, to be candid with you, is an uncommon way to live. For those of you who really try to live out the truth of Christianity in the world, you know how weird that can make you feel at times. You're kind of peculiar. You're kind of different. People look at you, I mean, why would, if you're not going to ride the ride, then why'd you come to the theme park? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, you stand out, you're noticed. If you take the sissy exit, everybody knows it. If you're sitting on the bench waiting for others who are riding the ride, you look weird. And so, as you're noticed and people look at you like you're strange, they look at you and say, come on, come on, you need to fit in. You need, and it's okay, you'll live. But your sense, your sense of reality doesn't fit with the ride everyone else is on. They're on the drinking ride. Well, everybody does it. You can do it in moderation. You can do it just so-so. And you say, no, nah, I don't really think that's for me. And they look at you like you're an alien from a foreign land. Well, I'm telling you, you are. You absolutely are. You're not on that ride. They're on the fornicate ride. Don't you know everybody's sleeping around these days? It's just what you do. You try before you buy. You check it out before you hook up. But you say, well, I'd really like to stay pure. I've got this aversion, you know, to STDs. I'm not on that ride. But they look at you like, what do you mean? Look at, watch TV, watch the movies, read your books. Everybody's on the ride. They're on the gossip ride. The manipulate ride, the political ride, the idols ride, the cussing ride, the sensual ride, the lust ride. And there you are. You're saying, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get on this ride. And they look at you and say, what are you talking about? Everybody's on the ride. And for you to stay off the ride, it will take an uncommon act. Sanctify them by the truth. You're just uncommon. You're not on the ride. And can I just share this with you? They're on the ride for so long that their whole life is like that young man I saw woozy and dizzy and he's throwing up in his next line to take his next ride. (laughs) Wow, this is fun. I've watched people do that. Get drunk all weekend. Get sick, pass out, don't know who they went home with. Get up and say, that's a blast. I'm going to do it next week. I'm going... Are we, are we on the same planet? But yet we're made to feel that we're not normal. I want to share with you, I am the most normal person. Do you understand? And, and you embrace this. Come on now, don't let the world convince you of that. You're normal. It's them that's out of control. It's going to take an uncommon act to get you off the ride. Number three. It will take acclimating when you get off. I noticed that when I got off the rides at Universal, it took me some time to adjust back to normal. I got off of Dr. Doom's death ride, and, and I didn't want to go stand in, you know, the snossage line and get peppers and onions and all that. I, that, I wasn't interested. I mean, I had to acclimate. I like that, but I had to acclimate for a few moments. Because once you get off the ride called the world, it's going to take you a moment or two to adjust to kingdom normal. See, this is the problem with a lot of people. They come and they make commitments to Jesus Christ and they give their life to him and they get forgiveness and then they walk back out and then at first 
They don't understand why they're peculiar and they don't understand why it doesn't seem to be working. And you've got to understand, it's going to take you a little while to acclimate as you get off the world ride and you get to kingdom normal. Because the kingdom doesn't work like the world. You need to acclimate yourself to a new reality. You need to get off the ride and come back in a place like the house of God and in connect groups and, and in things where believers are. And you need to get yourself acclimated to kingdom normal. There are Christians who get off the ride. This is really funny. They get off the ride, but they only get off the ride because they know it's the thing to do, but they keep their 3D glasses on. And then they go walking around the theme park with their 3D, and the reason they keep their 3D glasses on is because they want to make sure they aren't going to go, they just might go back on the ride is really what they're doing. But they, and then they wonder why the world is fuzzy and everything doesn't work and it doesn't look quite right. You need to get off the ride, turn your glasses in, get you a new set of glasses, and begin to understand that things can begin to work right. If the kingdom doesn't work right, it may be that you haven't got clean off the ride yet. The world, obviously, they'll say to themselves, works better than the kingdom, well, no, it doesn't. Yeah, well, I guess it does work in some ways better. They'll spin you around like crazy and, and they'll take you around again. But truth of the matter is, if you'll, if you'll acclimate, you're going to begin to find a whole new normal that will absolutely bless and help you. Number four, you're going to be offered deals to get back on the ride. I know it was interesting because the economy's down. We bought a two-day pass. Listen. We bought a two-day pass, Park Hopper, and they gave us seven days on it. They wanted to do everything they could do to keep us in the theme park. They wanted us to keep riding the rides. We'll, we'll cut you a deal. We'll give you a break. We'll, we'll do something different. They've got fast passes. Praise God for fast passes. That's all I've got to say. We got us a fast pass one day, and I said, this is the Lord. This, is, this fast pass is... Because you've got these, you know, hour waits, and I'm fast passing 10 minutes up to the ride. And I mean, to me, you know, that was God at that particular moment. But you understand, but go with my illustration here. I mean, they'll do whatever they can to keep you happy on the ride. We're going to offer you a deal. We're going to keep you coming back. There's going to be somebody, a voice, a person, a family member, an opportunity, a circumstance that's going to say, come on, come on back to the ride. I told this story before, and I'll... I guess I'll tell it again. If you've heard it, just laugh where you're supposed to. I'll never forget about three months after I was born again. I was 18 when I was born again. About three months after I was born again, I had some of my worldly friends want to get me back on the ride. So they said, we, we're going to a bar. We're going to do some bar hopping. That was back, just to tell you how old I am, that was back in the disco era. You'd go to the disco, have mercy. So, you know, I, I, I'm grateful that there was enough of the Holy Ghost inside of me that I was somewhat conflicted. My concern is, is we got people who say they're Christians and they don't even get conflicted about those things anymore. But I was somewhat conflicted, but I did what so many people do. I'm not bragging about it. But I said, I'll just go, I'll go and be a witness. Three months off the ride, I couldn't witness to anything. I, had, I hadn't got my legs right yet for, for walking in kingdom things yet. Just three months. Three months. What can you do in three? And I couldn't, but, you know, you're, just, you're arrogant. And, well, I'm just going to go witness. I'll drink a Coke and witness. So I went, went to the bar, and lo and behold, you know, I did, I did follow through. Didn't get anything to drink. I just got me my Coke and was sitting there, and they did all the things that go on. But they gave you these, 
these, these tickets as you went in. And, and they would have drawings all through the night. And, and they had, I think, four, maybe five drawings at the top five drawings. Can I just share with you that I won four of the five drawings that night? I said, this is crazy. I got t-shirts. I won. Listen to this. If you don't think this is the enemy, I won like this, this keg of beer or something. I won it. I mean, my friends were jumping up and down. I'm sitting there going, and do you understand? I was the one who went to the place that won it for them. How convoluted is that? But it was, I, I, and as I walked out, praise God, I had enough sense to see that wasn't God because there were some that would have gone, oh, hallelujah, the Lord blessed me. I've got a keg right here. Glory to God, it's free. I can be drunk and buzz for free. Must be the Lord. And they'll, yeah, they'll, you know, the Bible says take a little wine for your stomach's sake, you know. I don't know. If you haven't noticed, I have a little issue in that area. So I, but I won it all. And I hadn't won anything in the kingdom. The only thing I'd had in the kingdom up to that moment is a lot of hard work. It was hard. It's hard going to church all the time. It's hard reading your Bible. It's hard finding time to pray. It's hard losing your friends. It's hard not doing all the stuff that you thought was normal for years, and suddenly you're feeling abnormal. And now the enemy comes along and says, I'll just, let, I'll just offer you a deal to get you back on the ride. You'll be offered anything to get back on the ride. You'll be offered, some of you right now, you're going to be offered a relationship if you'll jump back on the ride. You're going to be offered pleasure to get back on the ride. Some of you will be given, listen to me, we are so screwed up in charismatic circles because some of you will be offered a raise and a promotion and it's just to get you back on the ride. It's not the favor of God. You hear how quiet it got? Because we think every time we're given money or a promotion must be God. That ain't so. Believe me, I'm all for promotion, and I'm building a building. I want you to get a raise. But you better know real quick whether or not this is going to get you on the ride or get you into the kingdom. Anything, anything to get you back on the world, you'll be offered that deal. Number five, people are not going to appreciate you getting off the ride. In John chapter 15, I'm going to read a verse. That I never hear read on Christian television. John 15 verse 18. Listen to this. This is Jesus. Jesus said so it must be true. If the world hates you. You know that it hated me. Before it hated you. If you were of the world. The world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world. Therefore the world. What does it say? I want people to like me more than anything. I tell you, there's a strain in me that just really, really wants people to like me. I think it works that way in a lot of folks. They like people to like them. Nobody wants anybody to be mad at them or irritated at them in any way, shape, or form. But folks, I've got to share this with you. If everybody in your life and your circumstances and your work, if everybody absolutely loves you, you might call time out and ask yourself, am I on the ride or am I off the ride? 
You see, we preach favor so much that we tend to neglect that sometimes we can aggravate. Now, I'm not trying to aggravate anybody. I don't want to aggravate anybody. But just by the virtue of getting off the ride, we make the world mad. And a lot of what we call favor, I fear, is actually compromise and accommodation of the ride. See, true favor is when you hold true to the word and to the Lord who gave you the word, and then the world yields to you. We're so busy yielding to the world that we forgot that we're to have dominion and the world is to yield to us. I'm going to share this and I'm done. One of the last things we went to, it really wasn't a ride, it was a presentation. And it was one of those shows, you know, one of those stage shows that was called Sinbad's Tales. And uh, since we had the fast pass that day, we got to go in early to see this Sinbad's Tales. And, and so they put us in down on the front, and we got to sit on the second row. I mean, we were, right, we were right there in the middle of everything, second row. I said, this is good. Second row. And um, incredibly, uh, incredibly done stage. I'm, I mean, just beautiful first class everything was incredible and um the show revolved around sinbad and one of his adventures and he had to save the princess and and you pretty much know the story but as he's going through the story of saving the princess with his sort of his stumbly bumbly sidekick they run into this this princess of darkness or whatever it was and she begins to throw these monsters at him And so all through the show, these monsters are chasing Sinbad. And what's really cool is they'll jump in one place and pop up another place. And, you know, they just use this whole gigantic set. It was kind of a cool thing. But there was one monster who looked like Bozo, who stuck his finger in an outlet. I told, I don't know if it was Kalen or who was sitting next to me, I said, that guy's Bozo gone bad. I mean, this... This dude, his hair wasn't red, it was kind of green, but he, but he had a white face, and of course he was one of these, these monsters, and so he was chasing this, this sidekick, and all through the story, as he would chase him, he'd start sneaking up behind him, and the crowd would begin to yell, behind you, behind you, and of course you know, they interact with the crowd, and the, the crazy sidekick would look, where? Behind you! And he'd look where behind me, and he wouldn't look the right direction. And, and of course, it's to get the kids all worked up. And, and so they do this several times through the whole thing until finally at the end of the presentation. We're talking, they were down front. They popped out of this hole down front. I, I, I mean, you could have spit and hit him. And here we are, the monster, this bozo gun bat is behind the dude. And all of a sudden... You know what's supposed to be done. He yells, you know, where is he? And really before the crowd could do it, here we are on the second row. The Baird clan's on the second row. And the whole Baird clan goes, behind you! And Bozo, gone bad, turns around and looks right at us. (laughs) Now, Now, well, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I'm in the middle of my story now. I'm, I feel the anointing. 
He turns around, bozo. This, I mean, and, and I, I will admit, he, he's just kind of a, he was kind of a frightening looking character. He looks straight at it. I don't know if he's looking at Trace or Tyler or Kalen. It looked like he's looking right at me. He's just looking there, staring you down. Not to gross you out, but all of a sudden he goes, and he spits this green stuff all over. And then he goes, and this green stuff. And he starts going. And you know what I was amazed at? How fear would kind of start twingling in there. This is just a show. It's just a ride. It's just, it's just this artificial thing that's, that's happening. And, and yet, I yelled out, behind you. And can I just share this? It made him mad. It made him mad. Folks, do you understand why we're here? We are here looking at the world, saying behind you. We're calling people out off the ride. We're calling people out of the line. We're calling people off the the silliness and the sadness and the craziness and the dysfunctionality, and we're calling them off this stuff, and you better get buckled up because there's going to be a bozo with a bad day look at you. And there's going to be that fear that starts tingling in there. You see, the world will always make you fear not taking the ride. It will always be easier to go take the ride. But let me just share this and I'm done. Turn to the book of Galatians and I'm closing. As soon as I read this, I am am through. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Listen to this. Paul writes, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom, listen, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We reach the place, and this is a good place to be. Paul says this is a good place to be. The best place to be is when you finally say, I don't need the ride, and the ride looks at you and says, and you know what, I don't know that we want you. Now, I want to reach them, I want to love them, I want to help them, but you know what, truth of the matter is, there's probably going to come a day, I'll never forget when I finally got off the ride, I lost the friends of a lifetime, but the amazing thing was, initially, they didn't want anything to do with me, they said, fine, you go do your thing, Kevin, we're going to do ours, but eventually, the ride catches up with them, and it's amazing how they'll come back around, and they'll say, I'm ready to get off the ride, but you don't get back on to get them. You just keep standing there in your saneness as they whisk around, doing their corkscrews, screaming about how much fun they're having as they throw up every time they get off the ride. And I will assure you, there'll come a moment when they'll say, there's got to be something more than this. I'm getting off the ride. How about you? I'm off the ride. I'm off the ride. I may be in the theme park, but I'm not on the ride. I may be in the world, but I don't have to be cut out of its same mold. I don't have to feel bad about what I've embraced as far as kingdom things. I can hold my head up high and walk straight and love my wife not only for 26 years, but all the rest of my days and have my family around me. And I'm going to enjoy it all while everyone else is corkscrewing around. 
No pun intended. That must have been the anointing because I didn't even think of that till it happened. <laughs> Got to get off the ride. Stand with me, will you? Amen. You know, in the churches I grew up in, we used to have altar calls at times when we offered people not only a chance to accept Jesus Christ, but sometimes they needed an experience where they said, you know what, I, I'm, 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 I'm needing an, a moment with the Lord that I can step out of my, my superficial existence and begin to embrace a more consecrated, committed walk. I'm ready to get off this ride. And so this is what we do here at Legacy. We always have public invitations. We do this because Jesus said it. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you'll deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So I just decided I'm going to do it the way the kingdom works and the way Jesus said it. And, and, and don't allow the awkwardness to, to take you aback. You're acclimating. You understand we're acclimating to a new normal. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, with just a few moments left, I will not tarry, but just a moment. If you're ready right now, if you're saying, you know what, I've been on the ride and I'm ready to get off. I want you to come, but this is what I want you to do. Don't just come and stand. I want you to come and kneel. I don't want you to come stand like you're standing in a line for a ride. I want you to come and kneel like you're coming to the cross. But you're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to get off the ride. God bless you. There's a young man right there. How about you? Anybody else? I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to get off the ride. Take a minute. God bless you. Take a knee. God bless you. See, courageous, courageous people. It takes a lot. It takes a lot even in the house of God where you have so much support. If you can't do that, if you can't do this here, how in the world will you do it out there? This is the easiest place you're ever going to find. People will cheer you. How about it? How about it? I'm ready to get off the ride. I'm ready for a new normal in my life. I'm ready for a new normal. Come on, I only have a few moments. Come on, you know when it's time to get off. Just another moment. I I would wait all day if I could, but I can't. I've I've just got these few moments, and I've got to wrap it up. But I can do this quickly, and it doesn't take much, but a yes. Come on now. Holy Spirit, work on people right now. Holy Spirit, begin to move in people's lives. Knock on their doors. Cause them to say, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready for a new normal. I'm ready for new existence. I'm, 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 I'm tired. I'm tired of the way I feel. And I'm ready to acclimate to the kingdom. I'm ready to acclimate to the kingdom. Honey, just, yeah, thanks. God bless. Hallelujah. Courageous people right now. Courageous people. Courageous people. Ed, just come by and pray for this, this courageous young man right here. Need someone. Where's Noah? Noah, slip out and just pray over here. This forest over here pray for him come on people love you and we're going to help you is is that you just one more moment and i'm gonna i'm gonna have to release the congregation don't wait me out move right now will you just a moment everybody square over here 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 this most important thing we do is giving people the opportunity to get life right we want that to happen Guys, you're going to pray for these people individually right now. I want you just to pray for them individually, and I'm going to release the congregation. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray a blessing over the congregation this morning. Thank you for this good and exciting day. Lord, I appreciate everyone, Lord, that gathers in this house. 
Lord, they, they are a blessing to me, and now I pray, Lord, that you would live big in them. And Lord, as they go from this place, may their lives bear witness to the truth. May their lives demonstrate, Lord, what you have done in them. And may they be voices that beckon people to come off their eyes and enjoy, enjoy kingdom truth. Lord, I pray good things for each and every one as I release them this day. In Jesus' name, and all the assembly said amen and amen. Praise God. Take a moment and hug each other's neck. And and we're going to spend a little time praying down front, but you're released to fellowship. God bless you.